Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Dennis Garrick. Dennis has over 30 years of experience working at the local, municipal, and provincial level as a programmer, manager, and consultant. Derek has been with SAS Culture for the past 14 years, working with communities on cultural engagement and planning, as well as managing three funding programs and liaising uh, with provincial cultural organizations. Most recently, he's been working on an eco-museum advisory committee, community engagement and matures, a living heritage region, and outreach. Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I, I suspect that when you emailed and said, I- I'm going to be in Newfoundland and we should get together for a chat, you didn't quite envision that it would be quite like this. No, you? not not quite, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so welcome, welcome from Saskatchewan. Um, so maybe to start off with, uh, because I suspect some people are not familiar with SAS culture and, and what it does, maybe we'll start there. What is SAS culture and, and what does it do? Uh, SAS culture is a nonprofit organization uh, funded through the lottery system in Saskatchewan. And in Saskatchewan, the lottery system is funded to sport, culture, and recreation. So SAS culture is the culture wing of uh, that system. And uh, then we, in turn, um, fund other cultural groups, um, including arts, heritage, multicultural. We also have a number of programs. We have a, it's a nonprofit organization, so we have a volunteer board of directors, um, staff, committees, funding programs. Uh, We're also involved with Culture Days. We're the uh, organization in Saskatchewan that um, does Culture Days. Um, So a a number of different programs. Okay. So, and you've been there for 14 years. Yep. How did did you get started with them? Uh, In the beginning, I was working in the area of what was called programs and services at that time and involved in in some of the programming they were doing. At at that time, I wasn't involved in the uh, funding programs more, the conference and uh, working with some of the organizations and some of the cultural workers in the province. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk about some of the programs that you've been been working on, and, and maybe one of the places that we'll start, because I know it's something that's happening right now, is this program of community engagement animateurs. Right. Um, for this, I think, is the third year that SAS Culture has uh, hired uh, people through the summer, usually leading up to culture days, and they work primarily in the past for uh, promoting culture and also promoting culture days leading up to that weekend at the end of September. This year, SAS Culture took a different approach with it. Um, first of all, by giving a new title for the positions as community engagement animateurs, and uh, those three animateurs will be on staff until the end of November, and they're working directly with communities, uh, working in the area of uh, determining assets in a community, uh, traditions, uh, stories, uh, and, and in a sense trying to get communities to think a little bit more about their culture, their past, their traditions, and to um, make sure that everybody in the community is aware of it, uh, that if there is some uh, asset that can be built upon, uh, they might look at doing that down the road. And, and these community engagement animateurs may work in a community for a day. Um, they may be there for a few days. They may come back and forth, uh, depending on on the community and what the work is. So that's a little bit different this year where we're working primarily with communities that we uh, select based on some interest in doing some work and where they want to do some development of cultural activity and culture. So, yeah. yeah. So can you give me an example of one of a, of a community that's been involved with the project so far? Uh, well, it's really early stages. Um, one, one of the, I guess, uh, communities that will likely be involved um, is the community of Indian Head, which has 
uh, had many different things going on recently with uh, Main Street program and uh, um, refurbishing a historic theater. Uh, but they are also a community that that is um, trying to build upon some of their traditions. And uh, they were home uh, to a um, oh, I'm gonna get the business right a uh, experimental farm uh, for one uh, and and another uh, federally funded uh, program that ended up being cut but really was the basis for the community for many years and so uh, th there is lots of stories and traditions and people who are connected to uh, to, to those two facilities and those facilities served the whole province they weren't just local so um, th th those are things that that Indian Head will certainly build upon through some of the discussions they have and um, try to affirm more about uh, some of, some of the stories, I guess, from that community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the communities that that will be participating in this project are they are they urban communities? Are they rural communities? Is it a bit of a mix? I would say it will be mostly rural, and rural being probably uh, two thousand and under. Um, also, trying to work with a number of the First Nations bands and communities in the province, as well as in the north, and um, a particular focus uh, of trying to do some work with First Nations bands. That that that's um, a priority for SAS culture. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting, you know. We we here in Newfoundland, you know, we we focus a lot of our work in, in rural communities because we see that these communities at times are, are under threat. You know, uh, we had a, a, a kind of a mono industry here. Mm -hmm. We had a, the, a fishery, you know, and that has changed. And I suspect that Saskatchewan in some ways has a similar experience with rural communities. Yeah, um, I'll, 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 although it's had ebbs and flows, I guess. And I mean, agriculture was the basis, uh, gas and oil um, more recently, potash. And, and some of those uh, industries other than agriculture have uh, done fairly well lately, um, well, until more recently with, with oil. But uh, so communities in many cases are much more positive than they were maybe 10 years ago mm -hmm. when uh, schools were being closed and uh, businesses were moving, hospitals were being closed. That isn't as prevalent anymore. And so uh, th there is a little bit more optimism, but still communities, I think, are always, especially small communities, are, are always under threat because they, they may not have all the services and they don't think they have enough to really keep going when often they might. They just need to, um, to sort of look inward a little bit more and build on, on what they have. Yeah, yeah. And so what do you think strengths are uh, culturally in, in, in these communities? Um, well, I think there's a fair number of fairly resilient people. Um, they... Um, they come from various backgrounds. Um, th there is a, a huge um, growing First Nations and Métis population in the province, and that happens both on reserve and, and off. And I think right now about uh, half of the First Nations population is off reserve. Uh, so communities are, I guess, becoming, uh, you know, came, came from settlement, uh, but also um, uh, a number of First Nations Métis people and now newcomers coming to many of those communities. So um, there, there's lots of change that's happening um, and um, some communities are are, are quite um, excited about what's going on and are building on uh, different events and themes and, and whatever. So, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I know we wanted to t have a little chat about was about this idea of uh, cultural diversity and, and mm -hmm. cultural inclusivity. Because I think the two things kind of come together. They're, they're two sides of a coin, right? Yeah. 
So how, how do we build uh, communities that are both diverse and inclusive? Well, um, slowly. It, um, it's a um, huge task. Um, um, as I was, I've been saying, just the First Nations population and um, the, the dynamics there, the dynamics in communities where First Nations people live, um, the, the loss of a lot of First Nations culture and traditions, language, that has impacted that culture. Um, so, you know, I, I think there, there is um, lots of changes in the province and a need for people to become more aware. And, and just with First Nations in particular, uh, the Truth and Reconciliation report that just came out, I think should help uh, people become much more aware of that situation and and for generations of First Nations people who were taken from their culture and lost their culture, lost their traditions, and um, has has caused uh, a lot of unrest in that in that community that will take a long time uh, to build that back, but it's going to take everybody to help um, First Nations people um, uh, to to build back their culture and their traditions, um, because so much of it has been lost over many generations. Mm-hmm. Have there have there been uh, programs, specific programs within uh, you know the, the past of SAS culture that have been you know particularly meaningful to communities in terms of that Aboriginal engagement? Are there are there specific festivals or whatnot have, that are success stories? Do you think we have we have a funding we have two funding programs that have been going for a number of years. One is Aboriginal Arts and Culture Leadership, which is trying to uh, build cultural leadership in the uh, Aboriginal community. And so it, it is intended for hiring um, uh, people who are either elders or practicing um, cultural people within that community who can pass that knowledge on so that uh, there is a, a building of that capacity of knowledge. So that's one program. The, the Métis Cultural Development Fund on, on the Métis side helps with the Métis culture and, and trying to... Uh, build it and get more people involved and there's a number of Métis festivals that get funding through that program um, and some have been going for a long time some are new uh, some are cultural camps that happen during the summer particularly and there's a fair number of those in the north but more more so in in the southern part of the province as well so you know th- those are some of the programs that are um, helping to foster that and, and I'm sure there will be more as we move forward because that that need is huge in that area mm-hmm uh, I also want to talk about this this idea of a living heritage region, which I know is a, is a project that's kind of been happening for a while. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? What is what is a living heritage region? Um, the, the living heritage region came partly from um, the uh, Heritage Canada, the National Trust, uh, and worked with an area in Saskatchewan that. Uh, had been doing some work already as a region. Uh, four different communities in that region had done uh, municipal cultural planning in one form or another. Uh, they they started doing some work um, in a, in a region as well as the four individual communities, and um, and and with the support of um, Heritage Canada and uh, also a, a funding program that SAS Culture has, they were able then to um, do some more extensive work through that area. Um, I'm not sure the number of communities that are involved, but I'll, I'll guess maybe 20. Uh, it's a fairly large area, and right now they're in the in the stages of uh, developing a concept paper, uh, doing uh, some asset inventory of the uh, whole area, individual communities as well as in the rural area, uh, mapping that, um, trying to 
uh, provide a little bit more communication and coordination within that area so that when uh, things are being planned, they're, they're not overlapping or they could be built upon if they were coordinated a little bit better. So those are some of the things that are unfolding. Um, and they're working on things like municipal cultural planning, uh, Main Street program, um, also eco museums uh there there's just there is a number of things that are going on some building restoration but primarily it, it's trying to get that whole area a little bit more coordinated um could certainly feed into lots of tourism potential but i think also rejuvenate some of those communities a little bit more than uh they may have been in the past because they could be a little bit more coordinated and uh, targeted in what they're doing mm -hmm. you mentioned the eco museum which i which i find it to be a very interesting concept we we have one eco museum here in in Newfoundland, that has uh, has been around for for several years now. But I know that this is this is something that um, um, you know Heritage Saskatchewan and the, and the Museums Association of Saskatchewan has, has really been focusing on over the last couple of years. This eco museum uh, mm -hmm. concept. Can we can we talk a little bit about sure. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for people who aren't familiar with an eco museum, how how would you define that? That's, uh, that's the million yeah. dollar question, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, and sometimes sometimes is defined as a museum without walls. Um, it certainly fits into the whole area of intangible cultural heritage. Uh, so it's, it is a lot about the stories and the traditions of artifacts as opposed to the housing of artifacts. Uh, can, it, it's, a, it's a broad broad area that it can cover from cultural, historical, um, environmental. Um, there, there is an intent to provide some level of sustainability by doing work in that area of, of becoming an eco-museum, defining an area that, that they think this eco-museum is going to work in. Sometimes it's within an, an individual community. Sometimes it may encompass a couple of communities and sometimes develops from a, a need or a crisis. Um, one of the areas has a bit of a, crisis, a lake with a crisis around water and water quality. And so that um, and, and it's a resort community, so people were spending, have for years spent summers there, and, and um, water was pretty important in that lake for uh, recreational use and, um, and, and other purposes in the summer. And, and over time, there's been some issues. So they now are looking at an eco-museum, and, and part of their uh, idea is working on water quality throughout that whole area because it's a bit of a chain of lakes and and waterways in that area. So that's one example. Um, another example in the far southwest is uh, the Grasslands National Park and uh, the museum in Valmarie that work together uh, on a number of different projects. And so some of them happen out at Grasslands, some happen in the in the village of uh, Valmarie, and um, and really it's it's a lot about the life in that area of um, bo both the the natural side in the natural park. Uh, the national park, but also the um, the art artists who have settled in that area, uh, the cowboy culture in that area, and um, yeah. So it, there's there's just a number of different examples, and then one other which is quite different than those is an area right in Regina, the north central area, which had been defined as one of the worst neighborhoods in Canada by McLean's at one time that has really uh, started to flourish and are, are looking at ways to develop their uh, identity and to celebrate um, all of the good things that, that are happening in that area and people who have come from that area. And, um, and, and there's lots of 
good things about that area and an eco museum concept gets them to be able to celebrate on on that a little bit more and and focus on that and show the outside world that it really is a, a good place and there's uh lots of vitality there and uh activity yeah i think i think what i like about the eco museum concept is that it it really does get uh, get the museum thinking beyond its walls. Mm-hmm. You, and and we quite often, we talk about community museums. We, we talk about community museums all the time in Newfoundland and Labrador. And they are quite often run by a, you know, a very dedicated, passionate group of volunteers. Um, and they they collect you know tangible objects of the of the community but in in many respects they are not really community museums in in the sense that they don't foster community they Mm -hmm. don't build a broader community um and that's what i like about some of these saskatchewan eco museum concepts is that they're they're kind of taking this idea of what a museum is and kind of expanding it out into into the wider uh, neighborhood yeah, it seems a great way to get the the public engaged in ideas about culture and heritage. Yeah, and and, and in Saskatchewan we have the same thing. We um, I'm not sure of the exact number, but over a hundred community museums. Uh, we have a museum grant program that funds them. Uh, they are primarily run by um, a volunteer board, sometimes associated associated with the municipality, and and are a collection of artifacts. Um, sometimes unique to the community, sometimes not. They're just uh, artifacts from the past and sometimes the people who are involved know some of the stories but they're not always shared and so um, for somebody to go to the museum and see an artifact without knowing what it was used for and some stories around it they may only go there once and that they've been there and and seen it Um, but if but if there is more of the stories and what it was used for and uh, traditions behind it chances are people would uh, find more value in that, uh, I think, anyway. So Yeah. So you, you keep using the word story. You know, yeah. you were talking about the uh, the community engagement animateurs, that they're looking for community stories. With the eco-museum uh, concept, we're looking at stories. Um, I always say to communities, when, they're, when they come to the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office and they're interested in documenting stories, I always say stories have to live. Like, they have to be told in order mm-hmm. to live. You can't just put a story on a shelf. It doesn't live that way. Stories need to be told and, and reanimated within within the community. Yeah, and you know, hopefully this year with the community engagement amateurs that will happen. All three of those people are uh, well. One is a folklorist who was uh, who studied here at Memorial, who went to the program here, yes, and yeah. is originally from Saskatchewan. Another is a First Nations uh, singer, drummer, storyteller, uh, and the third one is an artist performer. Uh, storyteller does podcasts, so all all three of them are very much into that um, that story telling, gathering stories, um, and and building on those stories. So just having those three people until the end of November will uh, set us, I think, a lot in that direction as uh, as an organization for SAS culture, but I think also for communities and start to show other communities what can happen uh, when you start talking about um, the traditions, the stories uh, from that community, that area. Mm -hmm. I will quite often get a call from a community who who are interested in in starting somewhere. They know they have history, they know they have culture in their community, but they really don't know where to start. Uh, I'm sure that this is not a a new thing. Um, So if you had had a community come to you at SAS Culture and said, we want to start doing something, where do you think is a good place for a community to start in terms of engagement with its own history? Um, Sometimes just having a a community meeting, calling some people together 
and um, just talking. Um, I, I think one of the things that uh, is difficult sometimes to do is to not not uh, is to go into a community without determining how things are going to go because every community is different. So it is very much exploring, I guess, to find out who is interested and where the community wants to go, and then it may go somewhere or uh, it may not just because the right people weren't engaged. But I, I think it's very much just offering the opportunity to talk and um, particularly with some people who maybe have been in the community for a while but also some people who haven't been there very long because sometimes uh, people who have been there for a long time take things for granted. Hmm. People who haven't been there so long um, don't know about those things that were taken for granted and, and aren't necessarily a part of that community because they don't know um, all of the history uh, that some of the old-timers might. Yeah. So. There's an interesting case study uh, in Saskatchewan, I, I, and you, you probably know the community. It's escaping me now, but there was um, a, a historic property in a, in a heritage in a heritage district that was uh, purchased by a Filipino mm -hmm. family, mm -hmm. and who have really invested. They're they're outsiders to the community, but they're and but they have really invested in the heritage. Can, can you describe right. that project a yeah. little bit? Yeah, it's in uh, Maple Creek, and uh, which is uh, on just off the number one highway in uh, western Saskatchewan, and uh, they had a Main Street uh, program going for a few years and during that time uh, a heritage hotel uh, had gone through a fairly extensive flood that that whole community had been flooded a few years ago and the hotel was damaged quite severely um, over time um, the the Filipino families I think there were a few families got together and uh, purchased this um, building and refurbished it and part of their philosophy was that uh, they saw it as a way of giving back to the community for what the community had done for them which was really a fairly short period of time I think they had maybe only been in the community for 10 years or less I'm guessing on that but not a great period of time uh, but I think they felt they were welcomed very much in that community and it was uh, a way that they could um, invest in this property uh, refurbish it and um, maybe bring it back to some of its original um, significance in the community. And so now it is operational. They have done an amazing job. Um, is you know a, is a success story and uh, was done primarily by newcomers who had who had come to that community. And it's a fairly small community of a couple thousand people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems that Saskatchewan is doing great work with the Main Street program. There have been a couple other successes. You know, I, I was out there for the uh, one of the the, the uh, events in Wolseley, which is uh, a love, which has a, had a fa which has a fabulous opera hall. Mm -hmm. It's amazing opera hall, um, and they seem to have done some really good work in that community. And that's a quite a small, a quite a small community, rural community, who've really kind of embraced this idea that they want to restore their buildings and, and kind of revitalize their downtown. Yeah, and so right now, the, the provincial government um, initiated this program about four years ago and had four demonstration communities, and one was Indian Head, Wolseley was the other, uh, as well as Maple Creek and Prince Albert. And those four communities were the first ones that came on. And since that time, uh, the provincial government has invested more money into that program, and uh, two more communities have come on already as uh, accredited, and then a number uh, as affiliate communities who can explore uh, more about being a Main Street community. So uh, growing more and more uh, right now, both both accredited and affiliated, uh, we're at about 
16, I think, communities. And uh, there is also an, an, another bit of an intake this summer, and there will be an, another um, maybe four or five communities that will come on. So at least 20 communities that are doing some work in that um, Main Street program. And it has worked quite well in some communities for um, revitalizing the downtown, but also um, building it on that heritage theme and the heritage significance of some of the buildings in the downtown area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been great to see the the local shopkeepers really kind of buy into that, right. you know, and and and, and it's kind of promote their own building history and whatnot in those in those spaces. Yeah, and in, in many cases, if if that hadn't come along, some of those businesses may not have explored it that way. It would have been um, maybe building a new building um, or or. Um, doing renovations that didn't have the heritage significance. Uh, So the the Main Street program has been able to um, save maybe some of those heritage properties that otherwise may not have... um, existed in the future. So. And I think that that partnership with the uh, the Heritage Canada National Trust uh, has kind of given you some national, you know, notoriety as being, you know, kind of a province that's doing doing interesting things with heritage. Yeah. Yeah, and there there are you know, it, with Main Street being one of the connections with uh, Heritage Canada, um, also the the Living Heritage Region is is another. So there's been um, Lots of connections recently with with Saskatchewan, which has been a good thing. Yeah, and you have this relatively new organization now in Saskatchewan as well, the, this Heritage uh, Saskatchewan, which is funded by Sask Culture. Yeah, and they are kind of an umbrella group for heritage organizations in the province. They are. Um, a, a few years back, uh, there there was determined a need for an umbrella organization in the province because there were a number of provincial organizations that, uh, whether it was in archaeology or um, there was history and folklore, the Museums Association, etc., a number of organizations, but there wasn't an umbrella organization. And so SAS Culture invested in exploring what that type of organization would look like. And uh, from that, Heritage Saskatchewan evolved and uh, is now funded by SAS Culture and uh, is working quite independently and and doing some great work in the area of advocacy. Uh, They also look after the uh, youth heritage fairs uh, in Saskatchewan and um, have a conference. um, So so do a lot of that coordination and and uh, collaboration as an umbrella for heritage in the province. Yeah, and they also really seem interested in this idea of, of moving, you know, kind of beyond stuff into stories. They, yeah. they really seem to have embraced this idea, and the, and the idea of intangible cultural heritage as well. Is, and, and I think they I think they understand the link between the built heritage, the buildings and, and the physical objects, and, and that, those intangibles. So I think they yeah. see the value there. Yeah. And that, that has become certainly a priority for, for Heritage Saskatchewan, and as you had mentioned earlier, Museums Association and, and SAS Culture as well, that um, that artifacts are good and are and we need to keep them and preserve them, but there there is more to um, the history than just the artifact, and, and it's those other areas that need to be explored and and shared and documented and uh, and and to give a truer picture of history. Mm. So what's next for you? You go you go back. What's what's the next on your plate for Sas Culture? Um, well, I, I, one of the programs I work on is the Main Street program, so we have an intake of uh, grants this fall from the communities. That's happening at the end of um, August. So, yeah, um, and then back to just working with communities. And um, we, we do a fair amount of work in the area of outreach, just working with organizations, uh, boards, uh, staff, trying to build capacity, uh, training in some areas, so a, a number of those kinds of things which are the routine from uh, month to month. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's exciting. Um, do you think there are any particular challenges that are going to face Saskatchewan in the next little bit? Um, well, sometimes money is a challenge. You know, people will say, um, I don't think it always needs to be, um, but because we are funded by the lottery system, we're somewhat, um, you know, dependent on people buying lottery tickets and and the success of the lottery system. And uh, that's been fairly stable, and th- and that's a good good thing. Um, but it's never guaranteed, and um, so there is some potential there. But I think that the the stronger that we can make organizations and communities, and hopefully not so reliant on funding, then people organizations wouldn't think that funding is the uh, is the number one thing to keep them going. That that really they could be more creative and. Um, and set priorities and function with maybe less funding if if necessary. Okay, I think that's something, a lesson that we all yeah. <laughs> could benefit from. Well, thank you very much for, for coming on the show. It's been a delight thank to you. have you here. Uh, you've been listening to Living Heritage on uh, CHMR. Uh, Living Heritage is a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. You can find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Thank you for listening.